want to be opposed if we turn the lights off besides the fans? I could read, don't worry. Are you speaking one more? Yeah. <laughs> if you hear snoring up here, it's not me. I got a tennis ball launcher. They'll stay away. There we go. Read to you a story real quick. There was a young man who was sentenced was sentenced to a penitentiary. The judge had known him from childhood, where he was well acquainted with his father, who was a famous legal scholar and author of an exhaustive study entitled The Law of Trusts. And so he asked this young man, he said, do you remember your father? And, and, and he said, well, I remember him well, Your Honor. And he goes on, and he said, trying to, to probe his conscience, trying to get him to have some kind of repentance for what he'd done. The judge said, as you're about to be sentenced, and as you think of your wonderful dad, what do you remember most clearly about, about him? The young man who is you know, on trial for his crime is about to be sentenced, has a long pause, and then to the judge, he gave an answer that the judge did not expect. He said, I remember when I went to him for advice, he looked up at me from the book he was writing and said, run along, boy, I'm busy. When I went home to him for companionship, he turned me away saying, run along, son, the book must be finished. Your Honor, you remember him as a great lawyer. I remember him as a lost friend. And the judge muttered to himself, Alas, finished the book, but lost the boy. Challenge fathers to, to remember our first priority is not our jobs, it's our families. That's right. That beautiful song we just sang eh, has lines in it that says, let the, let the past be dead and gone. It's a, a line about forgiveness, forgiving ourselves, forgiving one another. And that, with that in mind, I would have us remember that sometimes the, the roles and leadership of the church are not so different from the roles of parents. Sometimes uh, our spiritual children, if you will, have family squabbles. And we're reading Psalm 127, verses 1 through 5. And when you found your place in the reading of God's holy word, please, please stand. And if you don't have a Bible with you, the words will be on the screen as well. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior and the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Three in the word, you may be seated. So if we were to go out in the community right now, I know it's a hot day, but if I were to take everyone out and we were to go up and down this street, could you point at which buildings that are around this community, which ones are homes and which ones are houses? What's the difference between a house and a home? Go ahead, Paul. Home is where the heart is. Very cliche. Good job. It, it is is where the family goes and it, it finds the rest. It, it you can live in a place and it not be home. Right. You could have a a family that is um, not together. It may still be a family, but it is not home. Well, fathers, it is 
uh, our role, an important role in the world, that, that we build the family, we build the homes. That is what, what God has, has given us to do. And we, we are blessed because uh, along with our wives, we represent the plan of salvation to the world. As husbands, we represent Christ. We are to sacrifice our lives, be willing to lay down our lives for our wives and our children as Christ laid down his life for the church. Amen. And our wives represent the church. We are to present her holy and blameless to the Lord God Almighty. And so as husbands, we are to be the spiritual leaders. As fathers, we are to lead our children. And when we, we think about what it means, the first verse here says that unless the Lord builds the house, those who who build it labor in vain. I want you to think about what it means to build a house. I'm very blessed to have, have my dad who is a carpenter, a really good one. I, I've seen him do, do things with, with his hands to, to build houses or uh, more often to rebuild houses. But I would ask you, how do we build a home? Many, there are many good builders out there who offer to sell you a house for a price. But they can't sell you a home. Now they, they can go through and, and the, the difference oftentimes when, when we look at think about things, when we go into houses, sometimes you'll, you'll buy, a, buy a house and you'll be excited for it uh, and you can't wait to move in. But as a few months go by, you start noticing maybe there's a crack in the ceiling or maybe you notice a little imperfection in the tile that was laid down in your bathroom. You'll start to notice those imperfections because a lot of times... The people that are selling you a house have no intention of it being your home. They, their intention is to make money off of you. So they build it quickly. A lot of times they will cut corners. And they will even uh, use shoddy material or material that is, that is cheaper to use. But if you were building a home, you would not cut any corners. Because this is where you are going to raise your family. This is where you and your spouse are going to live. This is where your children are going to grow up and the memories they're going to have of, our, of this place. You don't want them to remember that you, the dad built this home and it wasn't built very good. And because we, we don't raise families for any other reason but for to be the father that they need. To raise the children up in the way they should go with the Lord. To, to show our spouse, our wives, what a good husband is to be. I would ask you, uh, husbands, men, if we were to take all the ladies and send them next door in the little house and tell them to talk about their husbands, would their talk be glowing and gratifying, talking about how you're a good godly man and husband and how you cherish her and provide for her? Or would her talk more be, he's kind of lazy, he's selfish, he doesn't help around the house, doesn't do any yard work. He's always getting laid off, never going to work, and I'm having to work two jobs. Which one are you? One is a, an example of a godly man, and one is an example of a worldly man who's just out for it for himself. The greatest example you're ever going to give your kids is how you treat your wives. Little boys learn how to treat the ladies in their life when they grow up by how their dad treats their mom. Amen. I'd have you think about that long and hard. Little girls tend to pick a man just like their daddy. So when your little girl grows up and marries someone, do you want him to be just like you? If not, change the way you, you're being at home. 
be the godly man that your son or daughter deserves. So that, that when they grow, they know how to treat people. They know how to treat a young woman. They, they know how to be a husband to her. Amen. Or a, a young lady, as she grows, how to be a wife and how to see if a man is godly or not. To see that a man should cherish her, should provide for her, protect her, be willing to lay down his own life for her. We hear so many stories in the news of men beating their women. These are not men, but dogs. And I wonder what happened when they were little. They probably watched their dad beat their mom. And they think it's acceptable and normal. It is neither acceptable and definitely not normal. We need to be men of biblical character. Amen. Men that when children grow up and they talk about we need to, all of us should be able to put on a shirt that says best dad ever. And we actually mean it because we, we cherish being fathers. Do you long to be with your children when you come home? You long to, to show them that love. They should be able to see the love of Christ through you, man. Amen. Amen. And I would have you think, do they see that? We need to build our houses on a firm foundation of Jesus Christ. Amen. And to me, that is the key to a godly home. You could, be a, you could be a good man by worldly standards. I know many men that are good men by worldly standards but have nothing for Jesus Christ. And so they go and they, they, they build their, their families and their children grow up and things go wrong. And when those times get tough, it's not that times don't get tough if you're a Christian father. Times are going to get tough. But you know where your faith lies. You know who to turn to. You know that it's going to be okay because God loves you. That God will provide even if your boss says, you're no longer good enough for me to pay you. God will provide. Do your children see that faith, that it's going to be okay? Or do they see that stress in your lives? And they don't know what they're going to do, and they don't know which way to turn. If you don't have Jesus, you really don't have any hope. Many turn to the government for help when it comes to food and various things, but just like that, the government can say, you're no longer worthy for us to provide for you. Government is not a place to put your faith. Amen. We need to have our faith solidly in the foundation of Jesus Christ. Because those storms are going to come. And the difference between a house and a home is when those storms come, the home is still going to be standing. Just like when the storms come upon the church. God forbid if anything were to happen to this building, New Hope Baptist Church would not go anywhere. Because the church is the people. Amen. The home is the family. Amen. It is not the building. It is not the structure. I guarantee you, you give a hundred years from now, every building structure that we live in, whether it be a, a house, a mansion, an apartment, a condo, whatever, a tent, whatever it may be, it's not going to be standing 100, 200 years from now. Right. People are going to look at it and say, I don't want to live in that old thing, and they'll tear it down and build something else. Or they'll let nature take its course. But if it is built on Christ, it will last for eternity. But it is not the stuff that we surround ourselves with or the stuff we fill our homes with that truly make children happy. It is being that father that they need, that they long for. Amen. The children that you have in your lives, or maybe grandchildren, or maybe you're saying, Pastor, well, I'm not a father. How does this apply to me? 
You know, there, there are people in your lives that don't have fathers that need men to show them the way of the Lord. Amen. And you can be that man. Or you could be that uncle or that neighbor, that big brother, big sister program. There's a lot of ways that you can reach out to children and show them Jesus Christ. Because if you don't, who will? This world is happy to show them the ways of Satan. Turn on the TV or right about now go downtown Aurora. You'll see the ways of Satan. But where are they going to learn the ways of God? If not by godly men. So our children look for us and should see our love for God daily. To the men, I would challenge you with these few things. Does your children see you pray? Do your grandchildren see you pray? Do they know when you struggle that, that you're going to pray to God and ask God to deliver you? Or ask you to help with whatever you may be facing or what the family may be facing? Do they see you pray? How do you ever expect your children to have faith in prayer if they don't see you praying? Amen. The only time the prayer is said is, thank you God for this grub, amen. Laugh, but I know many like that. That is not praying. That is paying homage so you can eat your food. Do they see you studying your Bible? Do they see you pouring over the word of God and, and mining it for the gold that it is? Do they see you leading your, your wife and the other kids in devotion time? These are things your children need to see. They need more than TV. They need more than video games. I'm a big fan of both of those. I grew up in the 80s. It's, the video games really took off. But video games can't ever replace God. Amen. Amen. They're a fun entertainment for a while. But if your time playing your video games on your phone or whatever systems you may have outweighs the time that you're studying the Word, you have an idol on your hands. Amen. You need to put it away and get into the Word of God. They should see the love of God in all that you do in your behavior. When you go to the movie theater and it's time to pay for your tickets, and your child just at that age where you know they, they, they're too old to get that kid price, but you go up and say they're, they're two years younger anyway, they notice that for you it's okay to lie if it makes a buck. Yep. Or maybe it's at the buffet or various places like that. Or you say they're 47 inches when you know they're 49. Well, we look and we laugh, but our words, our actions reveal our characters to our kids. You can fool many people. Your kids are not one of them. They know you. They've seen you before you get the chance to do your hair and makeup. They, they know us completely. You know, if you, you want to, to ask someone who I really am, it's a little girl in the back. She knows just about everything about her daddy. And what she knows should reflect a, a godly heart. Oftentimes people will come to church and they'll put on the, the Sunday best, if you will. We'll put on our fancy clothes. I don't have a shirt and tie today because it's entirely too hot. But we'll, we'll put on our very best. And a lot of times we'll say, well, I want to best my dress for, for God. And, and I commend that. But let's be honest, a lot of us, we get dressed because we want other people to say, oh, they're, they're looking good today. They're dressed sharp. They're, they're giving their best. But in reality, is that what's in our hearts when we go home? If when we go home, the same person that's putting on a smile is beating those children, what are we saying to those children? It's okay to be fake at church. 
as long as people like you. What are we teaching our children? Are we teaching our sons to be grow up to be godly men? Are we teaching our daughters what it what it means to be godly women? Or what are, are we teaching them how to be hypocrites and phonies? I remember being a young child and having an aunt take me to her Catholic church one time and I knew how she lived at home. So for me, everything that was associated with the Catholic church stood for phoniness. When 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 I get beat when I go home, I I paralleled that with everything I saw in the church. So when I saw a cross, it wasn't something glorious to me to cry over. It wasn't about sacrifice. It was about pain, my pain. I didn't understand the message of the cross because I didn't see somebody model what it meant to follow Jesus. <coughs> I'd encourage you, it's never too late. Whether your kids are grown or not, you can still model now what it means to follow Jesus. Amen. There, there's no greater way to show the gospel, especially if you've been one who is messed up, Show that your life has been changed, that there really is fruit, and that there is hope, even for those that are, are, are that what the world wants to say, you're beyond hope. There is hope. There is new hope. It's where we get our name. The hope is in Jesus Christ, in the gospel. It could change a sinner like me to follow after Jesus, to be forgiven. And it could change all of us. And I know many of you, it has changed your hearts inside and out, for you're not who you once were. And we praise God for that. When you wake up Sunday morning, do your children see someone who's excited to go to church? Who can't wait to get to church and worship? Or they see someone that's like, well, you know, it'd be a real good day to go fishing. Well, the game's going to be on at 11 o'clock, and I really don't want to miss it. Who do they see? What about Sunday night? Do they see you wanting to come back and get more of the Word? Or do they say, well... You read, we already went this morning. Why do we got to go again? Everything we do shows our children what really matters to us. And what matters to you ultimately will matter to your children. Amen. You are where they get their moral compass. And when, when the children grow up and we want to know why they're a mess, we got to look in the mirror first. Yes, there's other worldly things, peer pressure, the school systems, all that, the, the media, all that plays a part. But their core starts with their family. Amen. Do they have that family? Or do they just live in a house with other people? You know, men, I challenge you to be the godly men I know you can be. Each and every one of you. You can be a man after God's own heart. That is what is spoken of by King David. A man after God's own heart. He was also an adulterer and a murderer. He was not perfect. He had a lot of things he did wrong. But at the end of the day, he would get down on his knees and plead with God. This very psalm that we're reading about now was written by King David. He understood one thing, and this, this I want to get, get us real, real clear here, the, the, the final three verses. It talks about uh, a warrior. David was a mighty warrior. He was a master with the slaying. He's the one that slew Goliath. But he also led armies into battle. And oftentimes those armies... We, they didn't have AK-47s and other automatic guns that, that we have today. They had bows and arrows, slings and stones. And so David uses this analogy of, of being a mighty warrior and taking, taking out his bow. And he, and he says the, to your children of your youth are, is like a, a bow in your quiver. When you pull it out, 
you're able to, to target where it's going to go. And the beautiful thing about an arrow is you can target something that you are never going to be able to reach in this life. When David would, would assail to the enemy castles and, and he would be trying to conquer them, he couldn't yet go into that castle for there were enemies there who wanted him dead. But he could pull back on the, on the bowstring and he could let that arrow fly and it would sail over those walls and pierce its target. But you have to train, train up. You have to be able to, to equip your children, those arrows. You have to know where you are sending them. You have to put them on a target, a trajectory of where they're going in life. For a day is going to come, mighty warriors, the men here, where you're going to breathe your last. Where's your arrows going? If you're like some, you're going to fall over dead and they're still in your quiver. And they're not going to go any farther than you went. But if you train them up and you train yourself to be a godly man, you'll be able to pull back, allow that arrow to fly, and it will reach places you cannot reach. <coughs> I want you to think about it. As your child grows, some of you have grown children here already. They're going to go to a workplace that you never get to go to. They there have an opportunity to share the gospel with people you will never meet in all likelihood. They're going to have friends that they could share the gospel with whether by how they live their lives or by opening the scriptures and saying that Jesus has died for your sins. Repent and believe and you shall be saved. And they're going to grow up and have families. And they're going to have in-laws. And they'll be able to live a godly example for their in-laws, whether they be saved or not. You see, our, our children, our legacy is our children. At the end of the day, when, when Dylan Evans is gone, my legacy is sitting back there, Gabriella Evans. I love you. I desire to send you out in this world so you will shine the light of the gospel so bright that heaven and hell take notice. Amen. We live in a world that is all about darkness. They dress it up with a bunch of fake lights, but it is still darkness. But the true light comes from Jesus Christ. Amen. And that is what we are to pass on to our children. It is never too late to be a good and godly father. I said in Sunday school, this life is but a millisecond compared to eternity. The one moment you get in this life to get it right, get it right while you can. Tomorrow is not promised. Amen. There were fathers that were here last year that are not here now. I praise God, many of them raised up their arrows and sent their arrows shooting far so that they can shine the gospel to places they can no longer reach. David himself said, Lord, will I praise you from beyond the grave? He knew that his role, what he would accomplish for the glory of God, could only be accomplished while he was alive here on earth. Yes, a day will come where we'll go home in glory, and we'll be around the throne worshiping. We'll be partaking in that great wedding feast. But who will tell the lost sinners of this world about Jesus when we are gone? Hopefully our children. If our children are not willing to share... What does that reflect on us? Did we share the gospel with our children, with how we lived our lives? Did we? If they grow up and they seek after God, we are told in Scripture that if we train them up in the way they should go, when they grow old, they will not depart from it. Yes, they're going to have seasons like we all do of rebellion and sin, where they get off the straight and narrow path, but God will bring them back because He is faithful. Amen. The question is, have we been obedient? 
If yes, thank you. Sincerely, as part of the church, thank you. But if we have not, why not? There's no fear from sharing the gospel with our children. Right. You don't have to worry about what the world's going to think of you. That pressure may be at work, and that may be with your friends, but that is your child. Who is the world to tell you what, what your child should believe about Jesus? It doesn't have the right. You do. You can train them up in the ways of the Lord. I want to remind us what, what the final words of the Old Testament that God gave to the prophet Malachi, what he said about fathers and children. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to their fathers. We are to be about that kind of ministry, turning our children's hearts back towards God. Amen. And maybe you're a child here, and maybe your father is not the godly man you desire him to be. We'll live a life that is appealing, that, that would draw him in when he wants to know, why is your life different when my life, I struggle so much. I, I keep failing over and over again. I have no hope. But when you face those storms, you have hope. It is Jesus Christ. That is the hope that we have. God will soon send the prophet Elijah to return to prepare the way for his second coming. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children. He's speaking of the nation of Israel. When they will come together again and be a godly nation, seek after their Lord. But until that day, let us be the ones seeking to turn our, our children's hearts back to God and, and for us children to turn our parents' hearts back to God. Because as much as I've shared a little bit of my past, as much as the pain in my past has caused me, if my father and my mother, my brothers and sisters accept Jesus Christ, I have all eternity to get that right with them. Amen. Forgiveness I give because eternity matters. Amen. This life is short. My life's already half over. I'm 38 years old next month. Some of you laugh because you know you're a little bit older than 38. <laughs> but life is short. You call me young, but I'm going to live to see 80. Nobody in my family does. I know the, the odds. But I also know I have a God who loves me. Amen. I have a God who loves you. Amen. He wants you to build godly homes. He wants you to be men that are warriors. Amen. He doesn't want weak, feeble men going around not knowing where to do, not knowing where to turn to. He wants us to stand up and to be leaders in our home, to be leaders in our church. Amen. <clears throat> I said earlier, as leaders sometimes we take those roles of fathers with the church. And I will do the same here soon. And I'll be looking to some of you to raise you up to be that next generation of leaders. How will you respond? We all need to respond so that God can be glorified. So as I close in prayer, we're, we're about to, to sing our final song. It's where we have an altar call. If you're a guest here or new here, when you come down to this altar, it may be, maybe you've, you've been in a season of sin, that you're saved already, but you fell into sin, and you want to ask God forgiveness and, and help you out of that addiction. Or maybe you don't know who God is, you don't know this Jesus Christ, and you want to know more, or you're feeling the Spirit tell you to come down and accept Him now. Come down and do so. Get right with God. And He will work 
with you and through you for your family. It is never too late to stand up and be the spiritual leaders, the men that we are called to be. But understand clearly, if you refuse that call, you must give an account to God for that. God has called men to be the spiritual leaders. There are many things he calls the ladies to do, and most of them simply men we're not that good at, and we can't do. But what we can do, we must do. And so I would have you ponder that now as I close in prayer. Our Father, Lord Jesus, we give you great thanks and praise this day, Lord. We thank you that, that you are the supreme example of what it means to be a, a godly father, how you love, how you discipline, Lord, to, to bring us back to you. Not as an abusive father, but as a loving father who knows what's best for us. I pray if there's anyone here, Lord, who does not know who you are, that they would come down now and, and, and seek you out in prayer, repent in their hearts, and receive you as their Lord. And if there's any here caught in sin, Lord, let them come down. There will be no judgment from us, Lord, for we have no right to judge, for you alone are the judge of sin. It's in your holy name, Jesus. Amen.